as we are turning to Ephesians chapter number 5, as they were uh, practicing that, I said, tell me why that when the music's playing, you're playing the harp, but it's the guitar. They said, what are you talking about? I said, it looks like you're holding the harp and you're going like this. And they said, this is music and sign language. I said, oh, I got you now. And so Emma's going to be doing that um, quite a bit uh, here starting in August. She'll be traveling um, uh, literally around the United States and, um, and, and singing in sign language and um, uh, dramas. And she has to learn um, 30 different songs and um, the sign language that goes with those songs, which Emma knows probably without exaggeration, 300 songs. Um, she's like a jukebox and you just push the number and it, she, she, she could just about sing any song, but she, she ain't going to know any of these songs. And uh, these are going to all be brand new songs. It's, um, it's kind of, a, I guess, choral, you would use the word um, uh, for uh, the songs, uh, very conservative. And um, uh, she'll be um, doing that with about eight, 18 other kids. And so um, when we went to the camp and uh, uh, saw them um, just last week, week before, um, it was amazing. Uh, All those kids have got to be in in sync with their sign language. Otherwise, it gets off. So they got to be in sync with their voices, but then they have to be in sync with their sign language as well. And um, so uh, pray for her. She's going to be going uh, August 17th, and um, she's got to be there uh, and uh, start training. They'll train for six weeks before they get on the road, and then they'll be on the road for eight weeks um, traveling. The very first place they go to is Rochester, uh, New York, and uh, there in Rochester, they're going to a church of about 850 people. And um, so she's really excited about that one. And so, um, I'm just kidding, she's really, really nervous about that one. Uh, She's going to another place where uh, 12 churches are getting together and um, having a great big revival. And so there's going to be well over a thousand people uh, there at that one, going into schools and public schools and private schools and public venues. And so... um, uh, appreciate your prayers uh, uh, for uh, Emma. Ephesians chapter uh, number five. Ephesians chapter number five. And uh, I was uh, uh, so excited as uh, Brother Forrester had already mentioned um, uh, the the two examples of of, of young people that uh, uh, influenced uh, uh, other people to be saved. And what a what a what a blessing that is. What a blessing to hear that and uh, to see our young people involved. Uh, I'm telling you, church, if we don't get our young people involved, we're going to lose them. It's so, so very important. And so uh, I was so thrilled uh, to hear that and uh, to see that. I'm thrilled for them because I remember the first person that I wanted the Lord and um, what a difference that made in my life. It just... Uh, strengthens your faith and um, strengthens your resolve to want to serve the Lord. And I'm um, so excited 
uh, for them. I'm looking for the day that Trey is up here in the pulpit preaching his first message. Been praying for Trey, and uh, he don't know that he does now. Uh, but uh, been praying for Trey, and uh, Lord would uh, just uh, use him in a mighty way. And so I'm so thankful uh, that uh, God is doing that, and uh, exciting thing to see. Uh, now I, I completely missed our visitors. I'm sorry. I, I, sometimes I get in and I don't get a chance to shake everybody's hands. Uh, but uh, the family that's with us, our missionaries, uh, and uh, they're going uh, out to Washington State. Now, if you know anything about Washington State, it is a mission field. I'm here to tell you, um, matter of fact, the whole West Coast is a mission field. And um, uh, they're out of Brother uh, Kerry Hendricks' church. You remember we supported uh, Brother Kerry when he was in um, Ireland. And, um, and uh, now he's out in Hinesville uh, pastoring uh, Grace Baptist Church, yep, and uh, out in Hinesville, and they're out of his church, and uh, pronounce your last name, Brubaker? Brubaker, okay, the Brubakers, and it's good to have them with us in the services, and um, uh, here with us, and pray for them as they travel and gain their support uh, to get to, uh, to Washington, okay? One more commercial announcement, okay? I've got, if I don't do this, so, so often I get sidetracked after church and I don't, so, so I hate to call people out, but Brother Zach, I got to talk to you right after services real quick. Okay, just got to ask you a question. Um, nothing, sometimes people go, oh man, no, 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 just a question, I promise. And, um, but if I don't, I'll miss you and then you know how it goes. All right, Ephesians chapter number five, Ephesians chapter five. So we're talking about what it means to be spirit-filled and, and, the, and the manifestations in your life when you're spirit-filled. There are certain things um, that are uh, evident in somebody's life, uh, or should be, ought to be evident in somebody's life uh, that is saved, and it knows Christ as their Savior. You know, um, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, you ought not be like the world. You ought to be like Christ. And there's a that looks different, right? There's no doubt that that, that completely looks uh, 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 different uh, uh, for each one. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're not going to read the whole passage, but beginning in verse 18, the Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes down and he starts talking about uh, uh, submitting ourselves to one another and husbands uh, submit your, uh, our wives submit yourselves uh, to your husbands, husband love your wife and submit yourself uh, uh, to the Lord. And then uh, uh, he talks about uh, in, in verse number 33, nevertheless, uh, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So what is God talking about? Is he talking about husbands and wives? Yes. Is he talking about the church? Yes. Because let me tell you what happens. So often, see what, what, what God wanted the marriage to, to picture was Christ in the church. 
And so often that picture gets marred because of our marriages. But I want you to know something. It often gets marred from our individual lives as well. See, we stand up and we say, listen, I am a Christian. I am proud to stand up and tell anybody that I'm a Christian. I'm proud to stand up and tell anybody that I'm a pastor and that God, uh, 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 that I go to Rinka Baptist Temple. And I'm, I'm proud of those things. But I want you to know, when you stand up and do that, people begin to watch you. People begin to look at you. Your neighbors begin to look at you. Your co-workers begin to look at you. Your friends begin to look at you. And they're watching you. And let me tell you what they're looking for. They're looking for anything that might be different. Because if you're saved, now get this, just, just logically and practically here, okay? If you're saved and they're lost and there's no difference in you than in them, then why in the world would they ever need what you have? You understand that concept? It's really, really simple. When they look at you, listen, they're looking for answers. Do you realize people, even if they don't know it, they're looking for answers. Often they're looking for them in the wrong place. So often they're looking within themselves, they're looking within the world, they're looking within materialism, they're looking within drugs, whatever, they're, but they're looking for answers. I remember before I was saved, I was searching. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was searching for. But man, I was searching. Because there was that hole, there was that spot that needed to be filled by Jesus Christ. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. But man, I looked for it in every single place that I could possibly find it, and I found nothing. Just emptiness. Just brokenness. You know, I ran into some Christians. I call them Christians so-called. Christians self-proclaimed. And I thought to myself, listen to me, if that, and this I'm talking about as a lost man. I looked at him and I said, listen, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't, I don't need anything he's got. I don't need anything she talks about. Do you know, sometimes, uh, this is what we do. Sometimes we act so much like the world that the only way people know that we're Christian is because we tell them. Do you know, you should... You should be a winner. Yeah, I heard this, said, this, this statement said so many years ago, and it's just stuck with me. You know, you should be a witness for God, and you should use words when necessary. Ever think about that? Use words when necessary. When people look at you, do they see something different? Do they see something that they don't have? Do they see Christ in you? And here's the problem. So often we rely on ourselves. So often we rely on our flesh. So often we rely on sinful things that we look no different than the world. When you look no different than the world, you are no help to the world. Let me, let me give you the opposite extreme. Then you've got the Christians that are so legalistic that if you brush your hair the wrong way, I mean, if you don't look the part, if you don't talk the part, if you don't walk the part, and I'm telling you something, you have no hope. This idea, this idea 
that you have to do this, 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 and this to get saved. You got to look this way. When I first, when I first heard the gospel, very first time I heard the gospel, my very first inclination was there is no way that God will accept me as I am. I don't. I didn't care what the Bible said. I didn't care what other people said. I just had convinced myself there's going to have to be some cleaning up that needs to be done. I'm going to have to throw this down. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to Listen to me. Christians ought not add to that nonsense. That is a work-based salvation. Now, after I got saved, well, God started doing a work in me, right? It's called sanctification. Sanctification isn't part of your salvation. Salvation is complete in Christ. Sanctification is a work in progress. I strive to be a better pastor. I strive to be a better husband. I strive to be a better father. I strive to be a better church member. I strive to be a better person. I strive to be a better Christian. What is that? That's not before I got saved. That was after I got saved. And now it's a work in progress. You want to know how you're going to accomplish it? By being filled with the Spirit. You walk in the flesh, and you will have the manifestations of the flesh. You walk in the Spirit, you'll have manifestations in the Spirit. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that just, just bottom-shelf Christianity? But man, we miss it completely. We want, listen, this is what we want. This is Christianity today. This is what we want. We want to walk in the flesh... And have the manifestations of the Spirit. That's what we want. We want to live like the world. We want to look like the world. We want to talk like the world. But by golly, we want the blessings of God on our life. I mean, God, I need you to do this and this and this and this. And, and when God doesn't do it, we shake our fist at God. When God doesn't do it, we blame Him. We, we put the blame on God. Because God didn't love me, or God doesn't, or God didn't give me the right spouse, or God didn't give me. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a, it's an age-old excuse. But ultimately, what we're doing is we're blaming God. If you, as a born-again child of God, are not spirit-filled, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Now, we talked about this last week. So let's not be confused. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when we get saved. We're baptized by the Spirit. We got all of the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You're not your own. You're bought with price, right? And so uh, the Spirit of God lives inside of us. It's not that I'm getting more of the Spirit. Being filled means is the Spirit got all of me. It's a big difference. Now, let's not forget. Let's not forget that. I prefaced this as I prefaced it last week about this fact. You can't be filled with the Spirit until you're born of the Spirit. Step one, okay? You don't just, you don't skip. You don't, you don't say, you know what, I'm going I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run a race, but I really don't feel like running the whole thing, so I'm going to start in the middle. I mean, you can do that, but you didn't run the race. What do you got to do? You got to start at the. You got to start at the beginning. You got to start at the starting line. What is the starting line? The starting line is being born of the Spirit. And if you're not saved, and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. You remember John chapter three? 
Remember a man named Nicodemus? Nicodemus began to ask God, ask Jesus all sorts of questions. And Jesus said, the Bible says, ye must be born again. Boy, time out. How in the world, remember what Nicodemus said? How in the world do you go back into your mother's womb? What in the world are you talking about? Well, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the physical uh, part of it. I'm talking about the spiritual part of it. You must be born again. You must be saved. Listen to me. You're not going to heaven unless you've been born again. That's just the plain truth. You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. You don't go to heaven because you're a member of a church. You don't go to heaven because you're born in the South. You don't go to heaven because... Listen to me. You go to heaven for one reason. Your sins have been forgiven. You placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and He saved you. You can't save yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's God's gift to mankind. Salvation. Be born of the Spirit. But those of us that have been saved... I know many of y'all's testimonies. I know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And can I tell you, if you have not, stop putting it off. Stop waiting. Stop gambling with your eternity. That's what we're doing. I think back about it. The first time I heard the gospel, I didn't get saved. And the second time, and the third time, and the fourth. I don't know how many times it was before I actually got saved. But I thought, after I got saved, and as the years go by, I look back at it, and I say, you know, what I, you know what really the bottom line is? I was gambling with my eternity. We do boarding operations in the Red Sea. I mean, shotguns and, 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 and 45s, and we'd go, and we'd confiscate drugs, and we'd confiscate weapons, and we'd board these ships of these... At any given time, we could have got shot. At any given time, we could have died. And by the way, when you die, you go out into eternity. You don't get a second chance. You don't get a rewind. You don't get a, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it. Now I'm going to get saved. Once you die, it's too late. Your eternity is settled before you get to that point. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you. That's why He died on the cross. That's why He shed His blood. That's why He was buried and rose again. That's why He's at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you and me. And He wants you to be saved. He desires for you to be saved. That's why He came. That's why He sacrificed Himself upon the cross because we had to have a perfect sacrifice. But those of us that are saved, you trust in Christ as your Savior. You claim to be born again. I'm not talking about having a fish on your car. And I'm not talking about having a plaque that says, As for me in my house, we serve the Lord. I'm talking about you really been born again. Now, I'm not against fish. They're tasty. I love to eat fish. I'm not against having a fish on the back of your car. And I'm not against having a sign that says, as for me in my house. We have signs all over our house. I'm telling you, sometimes we substitute that for a true 
uh, a born-again experience in our lives. So, if you are saved, and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, think about this, Galatians 5 and verse 25 says this, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, you say that you're this, but man, when other people look at you, they're having a hard time believing it. They're having a hard time believing it. Because what, how you're living, if how you're living isn't backing up what you're saying, you're going to have a hard time convincing people of what you're saying. You see, there's a whole generation of parents that have always said, do as I say, not as I do. Not an effective parenting skill. Not effective. It just isn't. Don't do this, but I'm, but I'm doing it. You shouldn't do this, but I'm doing that too. Now listen, what we ought to do is say, hey, listen, we ought to not do this because the Bible says it, and if it's wrong for you, then it's wrong for me too. You see, I don't just go on parenting. That goes in everything, doesn't it? Because when God says something's right, then it's right, and it's right all the time. If God says something's wrong, then it's wrong, and it's wrong all the time. See, I scratch my head sometimes, and I wonder why people think it's so hard, why the Christian life's so difficult. It really isn't. It's not God that's made it difficult. It's man that's made it difficult. God has put it on the bottom shelf for, under, for us to understand it. Here's the bottom line. If you say that you're in the Spirit, then go ahead and walk in the Spirit. Show people through your life and how you walk before the Lord. Not only walking in the Spirit, but in our text, the Bible says that we should be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to be controlled. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess. Don't be controlled with the substance of alcohol. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. Allow the Spirit of God to guide you. Allow the Spirit of God to convict you. Allow the Spirit of God... You know why we don't want to be... Spirit-filled, because the spirit, the spirit will tell us, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't be looking at that. You shouldn't be talking that way. That's often why we don't read our Bibles. That's often why we're not spirit-filled, because we don't want the conviction in our lives of how we should be living our lives. Have you ever had somebody tell you, what you're doing is wrong. You should not be X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And you say to yourself, who in the world do you think you are telling me how I should live my life? Now, you may not say that out loud. You may have. You may not, but you thought it in your head. And then you did what you wanted to do. And then down the line, you look back and thought, hmm. Maybe I should have listened to him. Boy, she, she really did know what she was talking about. You ever do that with your parents? You ever think about that with your parents? You ever think back and think to yourself, you know what, maybe they did know a little bit about what they're talking about. You ever said this when you were young? I promise you, I promise you when I have kids, I'll never be like my parents. And lo and behold, it's in the genes, folks. It's in the genes. Some form or fashion, we, we, we get a little bit, and we look back. Let me, t- let me tell you one of the first phone calls. When I got saved, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, one of my, uh, f- 
my first phone call was to 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 to, to Wendy, my wife, and um, and and her best friend, my cousin Hazel. Call, I called them. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but called them and told them. And really, they they confirmed a lot of things in my in my in my heart. And boy, they just helped me. One of my n- very next phone calls was to my mother. I called my mom and I said to my mom. Mom, you, you won't understand any of this. You won't understand what's going on. But let me tell you, I, 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 from, from now until I'm dead, I could call you every day and say I'm sorry and it wouldn't be enough. I mean, the stuff I put her through. The stuff that she did to raise us children. I look back now. You know what? Hindsight is what? It's always 2020, isn't it? And we look back and we say, you know what? I should have listened. I should have paid attention. If I would have done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened, or maybe I wouldn't have gone here, or maybe I wouldn't have done this. And, and I know there's a lot of maybes. But I'm here to tell you there are people in this life that know more than you do. Huh. That's a, that's a bubble burster for some of you. I, I know. I mean, sometimes we think we know everything and we can't be told anything. You ever raise a teenager? You ever met a Bible college student? They know everything. I mean, they've got everything solved. They sit around, I mean, contemplating everything. I mean, they got Calvinism figured out. They've got the Trinity figured out. I mean, they got the world figured out. Then they graduate and figure out how much they don't know, you know. And we grow up and we figure out how much we don't know. And that happens, I, I get it, that happens in life, but sometimes we just need, well, let me tell you what we need, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves, fill ourselves, uh, get ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that we might, we talked about it last week, right, that we might sing. What is a manifestation? What is one of the manifestations of, uh, of being Spirit-filled? Singing. Singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. You know what singing is? Really, singing is a way of thanksgiving. It's a way of praising and honoring God for what He's done for us and what He continues to do for us and what He's going to do for us in the future. Singing, a new song that God puts in our hearts. So we talked about singing. This morning, I want to talk about the second thing. So not only singing, but then serving. Serving, Ephesians chapter 6. Go down with me in verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, uh, with fear and trembling, in singleness uh, of your heart as unto Christ. Uh, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, uh, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or he be free. I want you to know something. The things that we do for the Lord are done for a reason. Now, you have to answer the question, for what reason? Why do I do the things that I do? Let me tell you something. If you become a pastor, missionary, church planter, and you're doing it for a pat on the back, get out now. 
If you're doing it to please men, it'll never last. Why? Because the things we do, we don't do for man. The things we do, we do for the Lord. And because we do it for the Lord, now I get it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When we do it for the Lord, men are affected. People are saved. We, talk about, we talked about that this morning. About God can use anybody to lead somebody to Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But I want you to know, what we do is we don't do it so that men can see us. We don't do it so that we can get a pat on the back. We are so offended. More than ever before, I believe we're in a generation that gets so offended so easily. I mean, you got to, some people, you got to walk on eggshells around. Because if you say something to them, they're going to get mad. They're going to get offended. They're going to, they're, they're going to get their feelings hurt. Do you realize this? Think about this. Dead people don't get their feelings hurt. You ever talk about that concept? Now, I don't recommend you do it. But at the next funeral, you go up to the casket and pay your last respects, you can say whatever you want to that, to that body, and they're still going to smile, or whatever expression's on their face. They're not going to change your expression. They're not going to change your eyes. They're not going to change. Nothing's going to change. Why? Because what you say has no bearing on a dead person. None whatsoever. Do you know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be dead. We're supposed to be dead to the things of this world. We're supposed to be dead to sin. We're supposed to be alive unto Christ. Let me tell you what matters. I want you to know something. Real simple. What matters to me is what Christ thinks. I'm not here to please you. You ought not be here to please me or please anybody else. What should we? Our desire ought to be to please the Lord. That should be our desire. And if the Lord is pleased, it doesn't matter whom is displeased. But if the Lord is not pleased, then it doesn't matter who you please. Understand that concept? We've got, to, we've got to get our brains wrapped around this fact that serving the Lord is just that. It's serving the Lord. When we're filled with the Spirit, we will serve not for men's sake, but for Christ's sake. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Think about this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's our goal. That should be our desire. That's what should be on our hearts. Is our hearts when we come to church... This idea of coming to church and, and having this, this concept of what's in it for me, you're missing it. You're missing it. Do you know what we should be doing? We should be coming to church saying, God, give me an opportunity to serve you today. Give me an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody today. If nobody else talks to you, why don't you talk to somebody else? Nobody talked to me today. Nobody likes me today. 
I guess so and so. I guess Sister Susie's mad at me. Why don't you go talk to Sister Susie? Well, I don't want to. Well, then stop complaining. Do you understand? We get our feelings hurt so easily because we just sit there and do nothing and say nothing and then we complain about everybody else. Let's find the opportunity to serve the Lord. Let's find the opportunity to speak up for the Lord. I went into a store yesterday, day before, whatever. I don't even know what day it is, Sunday. I know it was Sunday. Whatever day it was, this week I was in a store. I don't know, I, just, I go in the store, sometimes they have knives. I'm a knife fanatic. I just love collecting knives. And so I don't need one single one, but I love collecting them. And so I go in there, and they're mostly, you know, those you know, big hunting knives and stuff like that, just decorative, just beautiful knives. Well, they haven't had any in a while, but every once in a while I'll stop in there. So it's, 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 something, something tells me to go in there. And Emma says, now listen, you want to you meet a girl that doesn't like shopping? That's my Emma. I, She's the only one. Listen, I'm 50 this year. I've not met another woman that doesn't like shopping. She hates it. So I said, sit in the car. I'll be right back. I just got to go in and check. Well, I went in there. And man, she was like, did you get lost? What? I mean, she called me worried that I might have had a heart attack or something happened. What? I mean, why is it taking you to this tiny store? What's taking you so long? And I got to talk to this couple that owns the place. Man, they're, they're looking... They're looking for a church, and we got to talking about their son and him being in school, and we got to talk about the th- things of the Lord, and got to, I mean, I mean, it was just an, just an awesome opportunity to share the gospel, and they're saved, and praise the Lord for that, but we share about our church, and share about the ministries that we have at our church, and how many people here at our church serve the Lord, and get in these places that, that when people come, we can have children's ministries, and nurseries, and all these ministries, and VBS, and, and we got, man, we got talking, and talking, and talking. Now, you know me, most of my talking goes up here, but they got to talk a lot, and I, I inserted like five words, but it's still... What a great opportunity it was if you're looking for it. If you're looking for it. Sometimes we're not looking for it. Sometimes we've got to go to church. This is what we do. I'm telling you, this is what we do. We've got a scowl on our face. We cross our arms. Say, bless me if you can. Go ahead and try, preacher. Go ahead and try, whoever. Go ahead and try, singer. If you don't believe me, come on up. I'll put a chair up here for you. I'm telling you, it's absolutely evident. Now, I don't think it's on purpose a lot of times. But man, I'm here to tell you, sometimes we ought to look like we're enjoying serving the Lord. What harm would it be to enjoy coming to church? Now, listen to me. I get it. There's some Sunday mornings, I'm telling you, there's some Sunday mornings, you get up and you think to yourself, if I could just sleep one more hour. Can I tell you, it's not going to help. Honestly, it just doesn't. If you sleep that one more hour, let me tell you, it usually makes you more tired. But we don't want to get up. Maybe our back hurts or maybe we got a headache today or whatever. Can I tell you, if you're open for excuses, the devil will always give you one? If you make a determination Sunday morning, listen, Sunday morning, I'm going to be at church. And get yourself straight before you get here. 
I'm not talking about being a fake. I'm just talking about coming in and enjoying the singing. I'm talking about coming in and enjoying the fellowship. By the way, next Sunday, we're going back to shaking hands. You don't want to shake hands? Don't shake hands. I'm okay with that. But we're going back and greeting one another. Saying, hey, this idea that you stay over here, I'm going to stay over here. Now, if you, now I'm, not, I'm not poking fun at anybody. Listen to me. If you're not comfortable with that, that's great. But I, I get that question more than any other question now. When are we going back to shaking hands? Sunday. We're going back to shaking hands. Sunday morning. We're going to do it. Why? Because, man, what a blessing it is to be with God's people. You know, all week long, all week long, all week long, we're at work and we're in the, in, in the stores and we're... Hey, let me tell you, you want grouchy? You can get it in the world. Just go to Walmart. I, dude, I found... I was in Walmart. This was a little while ago. And I found somebody. I've, I've learned this through the years. Don't ask questions. I, I just... I don't ask questions in Walmart. Well, I ran into this, this, this young lady. And um, I asked a question, and she said, she said, oh, oh, hold on, I'll, I'll go show you. And I said, am I at Publix? Where? And she took me all the way over there, and, and she showed me where it was, and, and she said, you know, this is, she's talking about sales, and she's talking about, and I said to her, listen to me, literally, I was so shocked. I was so taken back that I looked at her and said, ma'am, you are the nicest person I've ever met that works at Walmart. I was going to tell the I was going to, I was going to tell the manager, and you better keep this girl because the rest of her are a bunch of grouches that don't want to go to work. Can I say this? You don't like to deal with people. Then why are you in customer service? I get it. You don't want to deal with people. Don't be in customer service. Be behind the scenes, right? But I'm telling you, there are so much of that in the world. Why in the world would we need it in the church? We don't need it here. We don't need, don't be one of those people. Just decide before you come through those doors. Just decide, today I'm going to serve the Lord. Today I'm going to sing. Today I'm going to be happy. Today I'm going to be kind. Today I'm going to forgive. And so and so, man, they don't like me, and it's evident. Let me tell you something. I'm going to go over and I'm going to say hi this morning. It's good to see you this morning. If you're praying for them, let them know you're praying for them. Don't tell them you're praying for them if you're not. Be re- I'm not talking about being unreal. I'm talking about being real. And let people know, listen, this is what, what does the Bible say about, about believers? That we're supposed to be an example of what a believer looks like, of what a believer talks like, of what a believer walks like. Are you that example? Because people are looking. You know, Sunday morning, every Sunday morning we have a big group of people that get up and they go out. You know what those big group of people are doing? They're looking at you. They're watching you. My kids. 13 years we just celebrated. Emma, this is the only place Emma really remembers. She grew up here. She was writing thank you cards. She said, oh, yeah. And she would tell me about a time in Sunday school or a time in junior church or a time when so-and-so did such-and-such and about people that have affected her. 
because she's watching. If you think kids are dumb, you're really dumb because they, they, they know. And you can be as fake as you want to be. They don't want to have nothing to do with it. They can spot it from a mile away. D- adults, whew, right over their head. A child, mm-mm. No, I'm not going to have any of that. And they're being affected by the way we live our lives. The way we serve during VBS, during Sunday school, during that, whatever it is, during just a church service. Instead of looking at the kid, thinking to yourself, you need to stop running the church. Why don't you look at the kid and say, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. Hey, what a, what, a, what a blessing it was that you sang that song. What a blessing it was you did such and such. You know what we do? We sit back. This is a pad, by the way, not, not tissue. We sit back and we listen to the singer and we say, mm-hmm, yeah. We listen to the preacher and say, he messed that one up. We write. Do you know what I'm guilty of sometimes? I'll go to a, I'll go on, we'll go on vacation and we'll go to a church I've never been to. And if I'm not careful, I'll write down everything he does wrong or that I perceive that he does wrong. I definitely write down everything that he gets wrong in the Bible. And I get, you know what I'm doing? I'm missing the blessing. I'm missing the right things because I'm focused on the wrong things. How obvious that is? But we miss it week after week after week because we're critical instead of serving. We're looking for fault. If you pick, listen to me, Sunday morning, if you pick up the bulletin and your only purpose to find an error in it, don't pick it up. We're human. We make errors. If you're looking and say to yourself, he wore that tie with that suit? I can't believe it. He did. I can't believe that hair, that one hair was sticking up. I couldn't concentrate on nothing because that hair was sticking up. Do I have hair sticking up? Okay. But don't we do that? I mean, we're so focused on the bad that we miss the good. Listen, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be awesome if we so focused on the good that we miss the bad? There are some things that need to be called out. Don't misunderstand me. I understand that. A preacher's preaching false doctrine. needs to be called out. I'm not talking about that. But man, if we're, if we're so focused, there are some people in this church that are so busy. There are some people in this church will volunteer for something and I will tell them no. They get mad at me. I say, you're already too busy. Somebody else is going to have to do that. They are the least complaining people in the church. You know why? They're busy. And when you're busy, you don't, have, you don't have time to worry about what everybody else is doing. When I got to clean my house, I ain't worried about what your house looks like. I got to keep up with my house. I got to keep up with my porch. I got to keep up with the beam that's sticking out of my eye before I worry about the splinter that's in your eye. Let's serve the Lord 
And let's do it with gladness. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're not saved. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Your sins have never been forgiven. Can I tell you this morning, without a doubt, can I tell you this morning unequivocally that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. That's why He died. That's why He shed His blood. That's why He rose again. So that you could have life. And that you could have it more abundantly. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I die right now to go to heaven to be with God. And I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning right back down. I pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? Thank you for your hand. I recognize it and I'll pray for you. Is there another? I'm not sure about it, preacher. But I need to get it settled. Listen to me. There's no time like the present. You ever heard that saying before? There's no time like the present. Don't put it off. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. We have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Place your faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and He will save you. He promised, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't put your faith in yourself or put your faith in a person uh, uh, in the church or put your uh, faith in your baptism. Put your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Maybe you're here and you are saved. Are you filled with the Spirit? Because if you're filled with the Spirit, it ought to be evident. You ought not need to tell anybody. People should know it. They can see it. They can see it on your face. They can see it how you talk. They can see how you walk. See how you act. Be not drunk with wine, word, and success, but be filled with the Spirit. If not, why not? If not you, then who? Make that decision. Decide, today I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. Let's stand together, head by